Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Ben. I've got a question. Do you guys remember the band They Might Be Giants? Maybe. Certainly do. Yeah. I was doing a bit because it's like They Might Be Giants. I might remember They uh-huh. Might Be Giants. I'm Noel, by the way. Who are you? Oh, I'm Ben. I said that. Yeah, I see. I can never remember if you said it or not. That's super producer Casey Pegram. Hello. Casey, you said you remember They Might Be Giants? Yeah, I remember the Istanbul song. Mm-hmm. I remember um, Particle Man. Birdhouse uh, in Your Soul? Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. All the stuff that kind of made its way into Animaniacs. So, <laughs> and Animaniacs had some great music going on in general, right? That song where they name all the countries. I was just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one that's actually, since we're talking a bit about nostalgia, uh, that is the song that inspired me as a child to learn one of my many useless skills, which is uh, naming all UN-recognized countries in the world. Which I which I can do, uh, and you know is is completely useless. No one cares. I'm seeing if I can pull up a little lyric sheet of of this song and see if I can even do it. So it's United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, Republic Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Greenland, El Salvador, too. That's the song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just wanted to see if I could, if I could fit, fit the syllables. <laughs> if in you correctly. do the cadence, and I absolutely yeah. could. You got it. Yeah. You nailed it. So we're talking about they might be giants and a little bit of nostalgia, uh, mainly because it's such a creative band name, right? But also because today's episode is about people who actually were giants or they were called giants. Specifically, they were called the Potsdam or Potsdam giants. So here's the, here's the shtick. Today's story takes place in Prussia. Prussia at the time, 
And this is around the, this is leading up to the early 18th century. So just before then, Prussia at the time was a military state, but it was poor. It didn't have a huge population. The land wasn't super fertile. They didn't have a ton of resources, you know, like mines or natural fisheries. And they didn't have many natural borders like rivers or mountains and so on. It kind of blended in to other German states in the West and then sort of washed into a gradient of Poland in the East. And this meant that it was pretty easy to invade. Turns out, no connection to Russia whatsoever. Completely no. different etymology. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now, I mean, you, you, you may be like, where's Prussia? What's Prussia all about? Prussia no longer a thing. But there is a city in Pennsylvania called King of Prussia, and mm-hmm. it's got a pretty nice outlet mall. <laughs> Yes, yeah. King of Prussia always baffled me as far as names go. Actually, you know what, folks, while you're listening to today's episode, just if it occurs to you, will you please write to us and let us know your favorite weird town names? There's Batman Australia. Mm -hmm. That's a real thing. Uh, King of Prussia, I don't know. That's one of the best ones we have here. For sure. And now you're putting me on the spot. I I definitely have one that's a go-to, but it's, it's escaping right now. See if I can come up with it by the end of the episode. But today we are talking about obsession. We are talking about the need to separate yourself from the herd, you know, like to kind of like rise above the ranks, shall we say. Uh, And that is exactly what King Frederick William I of Prussia tried to do uh, in what ended up being a pretty creepy, kidnappy kind of weird way. Yes. So here's here's how we got here. So we said when we're setting the stage leading up to the 18th century— uh, since the 15th century or so, it, it was tough to it was tough to be in charge of this thing called Prussia. However, they had a skilled family of rulers. The oh, it's my turn for this one, huh? The Hohenzollerns. Sure, <laughs> that sounds good. H o h e n z o l l e r n s. Oh, a second H, huh? Uh-huh. Interesting. I defer to your. Knowledge. I would have thought it would have been like an E with an umlaut, but it's a mm-hmm. Ho- Hohenzollerns. Solars. I think you did a better job. You know, I, 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 I gave it my, my best. Well, you know, you also used to live in Germany. So yeah, I, I, as, a, as a small German child, <laughs> so, it, it has since escaped me, uh, that, the, all of the culture and, and beautiful uh, tradition of the German people. You still have the German shining, I, I believe do. in it's you. <laughs> so these rulers uh, held Brandenburg since the 15th century and over time— through their diplomacy and political maneuvering, they came to possess other dominions, including the original region, which was called Prussia in the east. And in the 17th century, it was just another part of this thing called the Holy Roman Empire. Great name, very dramatic. Crazy little thing called the Holy Roman Empire. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And in 1660, a guy named Frederick William of the House of, how do we say it, Noel? Oh, gosh. Ho- Hohenzollern. 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 Yes. Uh, This guy, Frederick William, he's the grandfather of the main character of our story. He inherited all of the the house's possessions, and he said, look, we can't rely on this economy built on agriculture and natural resources because we don't really have enough of that. We can't count on natural borders like mountains to protect us. Because we don't have those either. Right. Yeah. Uh, So he said— we need to become a militaristic state. Interesting. Uh, by the way, there's going to be a lot of Fredericks going on here in this yeah. lineage. Not the most creative namers of humans. No, Matt line. Fredericks, yeah. though. Ah, oh, that's a shame. Uh, we'll get him back eventually, though, I, I promise. So, yeah, it's true. Uh, Frederick William. William? 
I'm going to go with the American pronunciation so I don't sound like a tool. <laughs> Frederick William, uh-huh. uh, yeah, of the house Hohenzollern, Ho- 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 um, he, like you said, he got all of this stuff and decided, okay, uh, it's he's going to start this obsession a generation before his son William of becoming this kind of militaristic state. And mm-hmm. this uh, really carries over. Okay, so let's 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 go back to grandfather, sure, who, sure. Uh, who decides to assemble this army. Prussia was able to advance its position by saying, "Hey, we'll we'll send these troops over for you to help you with your combat or with your you know whatever you're doing in the east or the west or so on, uh, and in return give us some recognition." This comes to a head when Frederick William's son, another guy named Frederick. <laughs> uses the military as leverage against the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire in 1701. The emperor says, hey, Prussia, I need some I need some extra firepower in the war of Spanish succession. And Frederick says, okay, yeah, we'll send you some of our awesome troops if you recognize us as a kingdom. And that's how he became King Frederick I of Prussia. Fast forward, in 1713... Frederick William, who is the son of Frederick I, a lot of Freds, you're right, ascends to the Prussian throne and pretty much immediately gets weird with it. He definitely does. And I want to point out one funny little distinction that I, uh, I've i seen it printed a couple of different ways. But the original Frederick, if I'm not mistaken, and please, uh, ridiculous historian community, take me to task on this. The original title was King in Prussia, not King of Prussia. Mm. And then it became replaced with the subsequent generation after they got a little more leverage um, with King of Prussia. Ah. So the original one was almost more like sort of king in the north instead uh-huh. of king of the north. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're a king, you're in your zone, but you're not the king of it because the, uh, you know, there was the powers that be uh, were still basically in charge. Right. I see what you're saying. So you're you're kind of the, uh, the head assistant. Exactly. Still. That's fascinating. I didn't think about that, but that's an important distinction, man. Thank you for pointing that out. Sure thing. So Frederick William I, at this point, has spent his entire life being told by everyone in a position of power that the most important thing their kingdom has is the military. As a result, armies are even more important to him than they have been to his father or his grandfather. And he got—I said he got weird with it, folks. It's not hyperbole. Casey, I asked if you wanted to hear the spoilers about this off air before we were recording, and Casey said no. I want to. I want to hear it in real time. I'm a purist, you know. <laughs> I want to. I want to hear it like the folks out there in podcast land hear it. <laughs> Casey on the case. Perfect. So here we go, Casey. This is for you. When we say that armies were important to Frederick William One. We mean that he adored them on a personal level. He was always hanging out with the boys. He was popping open a cold one with the boys. Uh, He shrunk his own household budget and sold most of the horses, jewels, and furniture that belonged to his father such that he cut his expenses by about three quarters and spent all the money he had saved on armies instead. I think the word uh, we're looking for maybe is Spartan. He existed in this very militaristic and no-frills kind of way because he wanted to be respected by his guys. Um, no real indication that he would fight alongside them or anything, no. but he definitely wanted to at least adopt that lifestyle. Um, he was kind of known for being something of a, of a, of a quack. 
uh, a kook, mm-hmm. an eccentric perhaps. And he was known, uh, there's a really great article on rapiddiffusion.com that goes through some of history's most peculiar rulers. And I love that it, it, it uh, refers to Frederick and his tall blokes, which we're going to get to in a minute. But um, according to this article, he would roam the streets of Berlin in kind of like a, a worn uniform. Um, and he would actually just kind of like walk up to anyone that he thought wasn't um, acting right, whatever that means, and uh, would – use this walking stick he had to give them a good thwacking. Mm-hmm. If he felt they were behaving inappropriately, right? Seems like a really ill-tempered kind of uh, not a very friendly dude. So can you imagine maybe you're out somewhere and you're, you're partying or you've had an argument, you know, you're somehow at a state of uh, enhanced emotions, right? And maybe you're not behaving as normal. And then someone starts whacking the tar out of you with a cane or a stick and you try to fight back and you realize, oh, wait, never mind. That's the king. My bad. My bad, G. Or my bad, F. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. So he's a complex character, right? He is attacking people in the streets. He's not killing them for sport, but he is, as you said, Noel, he's whacking them. Uh, He also doesn't think the Treasury should be a source of personal revenue, and that's something a lot of politicians uh, across the world could learn from today. And he greatly emphasized the importance of the military between his accession to the throne in 1713 and his death in 1740. He expanded the size of the Prussian army from 38,000 men to 83,000 men. And eventually, according to a couple of different sources, one in every nine men in Prussia was a soldier and another 40,000 were foreign mercenaries. This is why he became known as the soldier king. And he went through these military projects that paved the way for his son, who is also, spoiler alert, named Frederick, (laughs) Frederick the Great, uh, to turn Prussia into a great European power. But the thing he loved the most 
out of all of his almost 100,000 soldiers, out of all of his military trappings, was a personal regiment that he designed that we know today as the Potsdam Giants. Also known as the Potsdamer Riesengard. Riesengard? Or the long guys. Yeah, or, or the giant guard of Potsdam. Um, and this was not a coincidence. This was uh, that these men were, were so stately. Um, he recruited them, uh, and dare we say, went even further than that eventually um, for this very effect. So he maintained and had trained this unit of the tallest men around. Uh, some rumored that one, I think a Swedish recruit, was even like up to eight feet tall. Yeah, the only requirement for joining this regiment was that you had to be over six feet tall. That doesn't sound especially difficult today, and these are modern ages, because people are tending to get taller. But back then, that was freakishly tall. You know what I mean? They were given these great uniforms. They were given these weird caps that were, I think, 18 inches high to make them look even taller. And then they were given the best rooms and the best food. And they also got paid, but they, they got paid in a weird way. They didn't get paid by seniority. They didn't get paid by experience. No, they got paid, like, literally for their height. And let's not forget that these this regiment never really saw battle. It was it, we'll, we'll get into more about how it became this kind of, like, you know, optical thing, this bargaining chip. Uh, but, no, their, their rate of pay was very specifically tied to their height. So if you're 6'1", that guy next to you that's 6'3", is making bank. You, you already know. You, are, you can tell. Uh, so despite all these privileges, a lot of these giants, so-called giants, were very unhappy because they were reluctant soldiers and their entire lives hinged on the whims of Frederick William. If It, it, it was like, I, for comparison, imagine that you are the favorite entourage member of a a Saudi prince or something, someone who's literally beyond the law now. Sure. And they say, they like, whatever they think is a cool idea at the time, you have to make it happen. And, you know, let's say, for instance, uh, Casey, he's, let's say he's in the entourage of a Saudi prince, and they want, they want you to just be on call 24-7 to show up and, and just say things in French because they think, French sounds very pleasing to the ear. You would spend the rest of your life never knowing when the phone was going to ring, never really being able to be too far away, and never knowing when this guy in charge would say, you know, pronto, make with the French. That's what they were doing. Show up and be tall whenever the king wants. But I think it, it went even further than what we're talking about here. Right. Uh, I mean, he was so obsessed with the recruiting the tallest of the tall that he, like, there was word out that, okay, if you're a teacher in Prussia, you're supposed to keep an eye out for particularly tall children mm -hmm. and then just, you know, give them up, right? Yeah. To the regiment. Uh, babies even were, like, marked with a red scarf, if they were seen by the doctor as being in a particularly high uh, height and weight percentile or whatever, mm. you know, uh, and that was a thing. People um, sold their children. People sold their children. Frederick William made it clear to his political allies that they could just bestow upon him the gift of tall 
soldiers for his unit. Bring me a tall child. Rather than like, you know, giving him gifts or lands or anything like that. He right. was just absolutely myopic about this whole thing. Um, and what, hey, no, what happened if they didn't want to go? If these, if these tall people, well, I don't imagine anything good. No, was, did, uh, did he just say, did Frederick William just say, ah, well, you know, I respect your autonomy and no. your opinion. No, kings don't do stuff like that, do they? No. <laughs> what did they do? Um, he, yeah, of course, if, if he couldn't legally acquire these, uh, these larger than average humans, he would just have them kidnapped in the night. Which is crazy. What, uh, one time he tried to kidnap an Austrian diplomat. Which flies in the face of how diplomacy is supposed to work, right? I mean, this is really going into the territory of, like, fetishism instead mm-hmm. of actual kind of, like, functional tactics, you know? Because, again, did never see battle. It was just, like, for the optics of having a bunch of very tall, you know, super soldier-looking men that were at his beck and call. It's clearly, it's, it's clearly, if not fetishization, it is, it is an obsession. There's no way around it. He even had people lured to his kingdom under false pretenses, sort of the way that, you know, that's an ongoing tragedy in the world today. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are trafficked to different countries because they're told they're going to be, you know, uh, domestic workers or they're going to work in construction. And the bait and switch happens. Yeah, and that's what Frederick William was doing. He had, for instance, a guy named James Kirkland— who was seven feet and one inch tall, which is huge for this time. Sure. It's pretty tall now. And he was Irish. He was given a job as a footman from uh, one Baron Bork, who was the Prussian ambassador to London. Ah, Baron Bork. Good old Baron Bork. It sounds like that's the brand name of some kind of canned meat product. I agree. (laughs) Baron Bork's Boston baked beans. Bean bars. Bean bars? I don't know. I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that job was, of course, a trap. Yeah. He was sent to this ship that was moored in Portsmouth, and then he was grabbed, tied up, and gagged, and pretty much press-ganged into the tall blokes. Absolutely insane, the long guys. But they were given some special treatment. You know, they got to eat really well. Uh, You know, in terms of, like, their position within the military, they were treated um, with the utmost care because they were, you know, William's special special boys, special (laughs) long boys. Bring in my long boys. But just, oh, God, he seems like a real megalomaniacal uh, It seems very strange. Yeah, not good. It's It's like something the musician Prince would do. It does. It does seem like that. Only, I don't know, Prince... I don't think Prince would ever take it this far. He might just have, like, you know, really tall llamas or something. He might have, like, one long llama. Exactly, the long llama. But, yeah, a lot of these uh, Potsdam giants uh, deserted, um, Mm -hmm. ran away, or tried to kill themselves. Yeah, it seems like a joke now because so much time has passed, but this is a really tough life. They were more or less— these oddities, this this personal circus for the king. This is a true story, folks. If the king was sad, he would, and he's done this more than once, he would assemble 200 to 300 of his giants and have them march around for him. They were preceded by tall people uh, with turbans, playing cymbals and trumpets, and an enormous bear 
that was the mascot of the Giants. And it, oh, goody. <laughs> right? Prance for me, my mm-hmm. tall boys. Ooh, exactly. It is I, Frederick Wilhelm the first. You know, like, I'm sorry. I, I just, the guy really sounds like a monster. And this happened a lot when he was ill. If the doc, I can see the scene, right? When he was feeling poorly, this mini parade would march through his bedroom and he would also paint pictures of his favorite giants from memory. So it's exactly like you're describing, Noel. I picture the doctor saying, you know, your highness, you must have melancholic humors or something. And he's saying, oh, silence the bear. Here's the bear. (laughs) Watch the bear. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So this this also goes into eugenics. I was about to say, when are we going to get it? When are we going to start ro- dropping the the E word? This is the turn. Casey, can we get a things take a dark turn sound? Yeah, things that were already pretty dark yeah. take an even darker turn. Yeah, so Frederick William had the means and the motive to create more tall people. So he began to experiment with what we today call eugenics. He paired the tallest of his soldiers with the tallest women he could find and ordered them to breed. This was somewhat effective. As a result, the town was littered with unusually tall men by the end of the 18th century. And that's not all he did. He also tortured these people to make them taller. Well, I mean, to make them taller, I roll city, right? Right. I mean, you're either tall or you ain't. If you getting stretched on the rack is just going to mess up your bones and make you, render you ineffective as a soldier in dialogue. Yeah, he would stretch these men on the rack in the hopes of making them taller. It's just another, like, you know, example of how people didn't understand how science worked back in the day. Um, and, yeah. It, they, they, of course people were deserting and attempting suicide. You're mm-hmm. not tall enough, you know? Or like, maybe if I'm only a little taller, he'll like me better and I'll get a little more money. Sure, I'll submit myself to or being not stretched put me on, on the, the rack. rack. Yeah, or yeah. whatever, exactly. Um, and if anyone attempted to get out of any of this stuff, um, we talked about how he would, you know, stoop so low as to stage kidnappings. If anyone who was in his uh, company and in his regiment refused any of this stuff, including the rack, mm-hmm. They would be killed. Yeah. The punishment was death. There was no in-between. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. 
I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Probably one of the only upsides of being a soldier in this regiment was that you would never actually be in battle because the king thought you were far too valuable to waste. I can't send my tall boys out. Jeez. <laughs> what a loony tune. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Real pill. So we don't know, even today, whether they had any military value. If you think about it, at the time, being that tall might have been a disadvantage on the battlefield. You're more of a target to hit, right? And Frederick also barely fought any wars during his lifetime in comparison to other monarchs. By the time he died in 1740, he was 51, he had had a total of 2,500 tall blokes. And his son, one we mentioned earlier, the one we call Frederick the Great, sure. he, he thought these guys were useless. He probably felt a little bad for him too. Well, Frederick the Great got the name of Frederick the Great because he ended up being a much greater military leader than his father. Yeah, good point. It's not ironic. He's, no. It's not like Little John or no, something. No, and he, he basically like conquered a large swath of, of the area, of the region. Yeah, exactly. And because he saw this this tall blokes thing as relatively useless, he decided that he, these men were actually soldiers and he would use them as actual soldiers. So he sent most of them to active combat units and the Potsdam Giants regiment itself wouldn't be fully dissolved until 1806. But by this point, the story was notorious throughout Europe. Everybody knew about this. They also knew about the breeding program. And this leads us to, you know, an even darker turn. We see the consequences of what was an eccentric obsession, possibly a fetish. The Nazi government in Germany, the Nazi regime, had its root, their, their attempts to create a uh, so-called Aryan master race had their roots in this Prussian militarism, along with, you know, their own take on Darwinism. Even though that was clearly Frederick William I that was more responsible for that image, Frederick the Great becoming a much more successful military leader kind of got stuck with some of that too. Not mm. saying he was, you know, a perfect man or anything, um, but he has a really interesting backstory because his father, uh, remember the walking stick? Um, right. He, you know, was a notorious crank who would like beat up his son with this walking stick. And when he found out that his son had a male lover, he had them both thrown in jail and had the lover executed in front of his son, Frederick, uh, Frederick the Great. So once his father died, I mean, he definitely had a, an axe to grind. And it seems like he had like a fire in his belly that kind of made him want to really like prove himself. And I'm, I'm just speculating here a little bit, but he definitely proved to be more effective than his father. Uh, in terms of conquering. Right. So he ruled, Frederick the Great, Frederick II, ruled the Kingdom of Prussia from 1740, when his father passed away, until 1786. So that's a reign of 46 years. That makes him the longest reigning of any Hohenzollern king. He reorganized the Prussian armies. He was a patron of the arts and the enlightenment. He really earned his name 
with his success in the Seven Years' War. He was the last monarch titled king in Prussia, and he declared himself king of Prussia. Boom. So he's the reason the name changed. Uh, he's leading military power, and he was nicknamed Der Alte Fritz, or the Old Fritz by the Prussian people and eventually the rest of Germany. So he did a lot of stuff that his forefathers were unable to do in terms of political and military organization. For sure. So despite his successes, and he was definitely an imperfect person as well, Frederick the Great was unfairly associated with the Potsdam Giants. It's, a, you know, they mixed up their Fredericks, right? Uh, Charles Darwin even refers to the Potsdam Giants, by the way. He says, unlike livestock, human beings have never been forcibly bred for select characteristics, quote, except in the well-known case of the Prussian grenadiers, the Potsdam Giants. Uh, so where, where are we at now? What, what is the legacy of these Potsdam Giants? Or, or maybe you're listening to this and you're not completely on the same page as us. Maybe you think, I don't know, guys, this sounds pretty cool. I'd like to see that that march. I love bears and cymbals and trumpets. Fun! Well, lucky for you, if you go to langa-keras.de, you can hire Potsdam Giant reenactors to march around your very bedroom. Not sure if that includes a bear, uh, but this is uh, in association uh, in Potsdam, Germany, that tries to kind of carry on the legacy of, of the tall boys. Um, and you can get them to perform this authentic military drill at, at your family picnic. I don't think they have a bear, though. That's one note, one difference. Would this have been a dancing bear? Like, like I'm picturing it balancing on a ball, circus style, or would it have just been like a big lumbering, scary bear? It was. It was probably trained to do some things. Without going uh, too far down the rabbit hole, I would not be surprised if Frederick William maybe had the bear trained to do like rough reenactments of military drills. You know, yeah. give it a stick it plays with or something. There you go. So this concludes our story. Casey, we have to ask, was this, was this worth learning organically? We didn't string you along. Do you feel like you got your time's worth? I absolutely got way more than I bargained for. So, yeah, uh, good job. So say we all. Casey on the case. <laughs> Casey on the case. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to hear, remember, we want to hear the weird town names in your neck of the global woods. And uh, where do we go with this? I, I will tell you one thing. When I was originally starting to research this, I just Googled uh, super soldiers or Frederick super soldiers, something like that. Yeah. And a bunch of YouTube videos came up um, about this notion of are there super soldier Nephilim like angels in the United States military? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm familiar with that idea as well. It's a little bit out there. Oh, it was way out there. But you know what? Let us know if you are listening to this episode and you are a Nephilim super soldier, either in the U.S. or abroad. We would love to hear your story. Tell us about the great battle for good and evil. You can write to us at ridiculous at iheartradio.com. You can hit us up on our Facebook group. That is The Ridiculous Historians. All you have to do is come up with either my name or Ben's name. I really don't understand why people bother writing I don't know when they put their responses. I mean, look it up. 
If you really want to be a member of the group, you could clearly look up Minor Ben's name. It, it just it, it flabbergasts me a little bit. Or, you know, do a clever uh, diversion that, like, is a reference to the show or just make us laugh in some yeah, way. Yeah, just, just make me laugh. It's not oh, an exclusive group. Also, you know what? I love when people are sending out T-shirt ideas. I, I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm interested in seeing a design for Baron Bork's Boston Baked Bean Bars. Bars. I also really want to do some straight seahorse teeth shirts because I am surprised and amazed and honestly touched that that phrase has taken off the I way it I told you. Yeah. I mentioned I told you on air. Sometimes you just know when the idea is happening. It's true. If you want to check me and Ben out in our personal private time lives, uh, you can hit me up on Instagram at Brown. You can see me get kicked into and out of various airports around the world at Ben Bullen. Uh, you can also always, as you said, write to us with some t-shirt ideas. And hey, let us know if you would join the Potsdam Giants. If, you know, it sounds like it's not a bad gig for someone who consented to be in it. You sure, know? sure. Let us know. Thank you so much to Christopher Hasiotis, friend of the show. Of course, thank you to Casey LaBouche-Pegram for returning from abroad. Thanks to our research associate, Gabe Luzier. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. And as always, thanks to you, Ben, for being such a dapper pal and uh, and co-host on this here show. Likewise, Noel, likewise. Hey, Casey, can we get like a little military music to play us out? Everyone pretend to be seven feet tall. Feels so good. See you, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.